everyone. And this episode of History Unloaded with Danny, Ashley, and my dog, Marley. Whoa, he just gets a spot as the co-host? Like, what? Marley, I never get Marley. the spot as being a person <laughs> in is the my- podcast. <laughs> Camila talks in every episode and Marley sleeps and I just gave him credit. Yeah, that's what, let's, let's talk about that, Ashley. I feel like that's a bit insulting for you. It is, I'm insulted. But my dog's pretty cool. (laughs) On this episode of All Three of Us Argue About Who's a Host. We, we, I just want to say to everybody listening, all five of you, that we really worked hard to come up with this topic, okay? This one took us a while. Because we are just, the creative juices are not flowing. But today's episode is gun safety lessons from history. History, history, history. I appreciate the self-imposed echo effect. Or is it herstory? Um, No, we chose this episode because... Typical. The man just overlooked my comment on herstory. Yes. I just mansplained right past that. Um... (laughs) And I'm going to keep going going because we <laughs> we chose this one because there's lots and lots of new gun owners in the news right now. And we thought, what better way than to offer some education or to, what better way to help them than to offer some education on how to be safe. And of course, being firearms history people, our safety lessons all come from the depths of firearms history. From the firearms vaults. So what is your first safety tip for our listeners based in firearms history? Okay, ready? If your name is John Moses Browning and you're allegedly the greatest gun designer that ever lived, you should not take a photo standing in front of your shop with your hands sitting on the muzzle of the guns that you invented. Okay, good one. Don't cover the muzzle of your firearm with your hand. No excuses, even for John Moses Browning. Also, um, maybe spell ammunition right. Yeah, because they definitely spelled it wrong on the front of their building. But, you know, it's an interesting topic of conversation because it becomes difficult because if you've got someone who's a new gun owner and they don't necessarily understand the four rules of gun safety, which are always keep your gun pointed in a safe direction, always keep your finger off the trigger until ready to fire, always keep your gun unloaded. (laughs) Sorry. Always, I was talking too fast. Always keep your gun unloaded until ready to fire, and then the and then know your target and what's beyond is. There's actually ten rules, but those are the big ones. Yeah. And so you don't ever want to, you know, point the muzzle at something that you're not willing to destroy. And if you are a new gun owner and you see an old gunner on a, I don't, I don't even know what does that happen. <laughs> if you're a new gun owner and you see an old gun owner, you know, showing those types of bad behaviors. You know, you're going to be like, well, if John Moses Browning, who's like literally the only gun person I've ever heard of in history, (laughs) you know, does it, then why can't I? I mean, it sets a bad precedent. And John Moses Browning did a lot of kind of kooky things in gun history. But you see that photo and it actually, um, Steve Stinetti, who's on our board um, for the Cody Firearms Museum, I mean, he said it's come up in court of laws before, you know, talking about safe firearms practices and accidental or negligent discharge. And lawyers will be like, well, if John Moses Browning didn't, you know, do it, then how could you justify and expect somebody who is new to, to understand that? Yeah. And, you know, obviously this, this whole episode is going to be a little bit tongue in cheek because we obviously have a great deal of respect for what like Browning did as a designer, but like one of the, he doesn't <laughs> if have people the, have heard our past podcast. They might not they might, necessarily yeah, agree with that. Um, 
but you know, he, like just one of those photos of him that's very famous shows what we now consider to be, you know, a firearms, you know, an unsafe uh, handling practice. And I appreciate that you mentioned the 10 rules of fire safety because we spent so long on the four rules. I couldn't actually name you the 10 rules, but there is like, there is like a 10 rule thing. And it's, it's interesting because we have in our archives like published versions of the 10 rules of firearm safety that date back a while. And it's sort of shifted over time. It hasn't changed entirely, but it's, it's interesting too, just to see the idea of like what was considered safe and how that's changed over time. Ooh, well, and that have, actually, have what? I have a really good second rule that you're going to, that I'm kind of stealing from you, but you won't realize it until I say it. Okay, cool. But what I like, just to piggyback off of what you said, because I think that that is an important, you, you made um, inference to something that's important for people to understand, which is that uh, historic firearm safety has changed, you know, over the years, what was considered safe, what was not considered safe, because people learned these lessons, you know, and unfortunately, and in many cases, the hard way. But, um, you know, the standards of what was considered safe back in the late 19th, early 20th century is very different, you know, from from today's, you know, culture. So, like, I, I don't want to jump too far into the next, you know, topic, but I'll just kind of say it in this respect. But, you know, if you think about a cult, you know, single action or any type of single action revolver, I mean, in theory, you can press the trigger and unless the hammer's pulled back, you know, the gun shouldn't fire. And in today's society, nobody would, you know, even knowing that, you know, we say things like a safety is a mechanical device that can always fail. So never assume that. So you always honor the rules of gun safety that are now, you know, put forth. Um, and so, and one of them is to keep your finger off the trigger until ready to fire. So, you know, a hundred years ago, maybe someone would put their finger on the trigger and go, it's not a big deal because I haven't, I'm not pushing down on it and I haven't pulled the hammer back. But today, you know, we would say that's irrelevant, you know, that the technology operates like that. You still just don't do it because you don't want to take any risk. That's actually like, that's a really good point about the, you know, the visual, you know, safety, because that was those visual cues were like relied upon for, for a long time for uh, safety and other things. Like it's why external hammers stuck around on um, like things like different u.s military bolt action rifles because um you know an external an external hammer bolt action seems a little bit crazy to us today but they were looking for ways to be able to tell from a distance if like soldiers had the gun like cocked and ready to fire so that their officer can like can know you know it's it's a visual cue that you know okay the hammer's back i know now like what condition the gun is and now we we treat it as this really you know, always assume the gun is in a condition ready to fire, but um, there's a little bit of a more idea of, you know, back in the day, you could see what condition the gun is in when it's not always ready apparent with more and more double action and, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, so that's a, that's a good point. My second rule was um, if you find yourself at a shooting competition in 1500s in Europe, don't go past the firing line. Exactly. So, when you go to, if you're a new, a new gun owner and you go out to the range to uh, get some practice in, uh, there will be a well-established firing line, or there should be. And um, there's a few modern safety rules around that, but the first instance where we see this stuff start to emerge uh, dates back as probably one of the oldest safety rules that we can document, I think. I don't know what the exact date is on it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and 
this is not really a safety rule, but it's a expression that you hear, which is don't go off half cocked. I mean, pretty, pretty early on in firearms history, you know, people recognize that, um, that a gun could go off in a half cock position. I mean, it's not supposed to, but you know, again, the mechanical device that is, you know, capable mm -hmm. of failing. I mean, I, I'm not sure when that expression came to be, but I mean, the pretty early on people realized that a half cock at least pr provides some, uh, protection, um, when you're trying to load a muzzle loading firearm. Yeah. And which brings um, you to the other one that you talked about before this call. Oh, well, we never really finished explaining the firing line. I guess it's so oh. self-explanatory, but yeah, if the range is hot and people are shooting, like there's going to be an established line. Um, don't go past it. You know, that's, that's there to be sort of a safe point where behind the line you can, you know, um, you know, stand, watch, do whatever, but you, you don't, one, you don't like, you don't handle your uh, firearms behind the line. You handle them up at the line where you're going to be shooting so that nobody has to worry about a gun behind them. Um, but you also don't go past it uh, in case somebody else happens to, um, you know, be at the line handling their stuff. And, um, you know, there's often a 180, what's called a 180 rule. Um, this is more for like matches and stuff, but the idea that, you know, your gun is always, um, some degree of downrange, you know, you don't like lay it sideways on the table so that it's pointing at everybody down the line from you. So, um, yeah, that's the fuller explanation of that. Yeah. And then to more muzzle loader. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you're packing up and headed West, apparently like a lot of people are these days moving out of cities and moving into Cody, Wyoming. Cause Oh, I see what you did there, Danny. You made yeah. it relevant to today's culture. That's what I'm all about. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're loading, up I just the wagon, saw something though the other day that said that what people were leaving Wyoming at like record rates. I don't know if it's true. Or I not. saw that too, and I feel like now we just realize we're on the same like Big Brother news cycle where they're like sending us those stories. Yeah. Um, anywho, Cody, Wyoming, right now is like in a housing boom, and yeah, a lot of people are moving out here. Anyways, if you are moving somewhere and you Thanks, piled Kanye. your and you piled your musket in amongst all your other goods and for some reason you loaded it before you piled it in there don't drag it out of there by the muzzle um apparently it was a fairly common well i don't know common but um it's a reported thing that settlers headed west in their wagons would often go to pull the gun out of the wagon and like shoot themselves when the trigger got caught on something i don't know how true it is but i've heard that story a bunch um and then another one is new gun owners if a firing pin is resting up against the primer of a centerfire cartridge, which you probably don't know any of those words I just said, <laughs> you should not have the firearm in that position unless you are ready to fire. I feel like you went in a roundabout way of talking about a single action army. I was, but you know, but it's not just the single action army. I mean, it's the concept you know, so, okay, I'll give you the history and then, you know, the concept of this, which is something to be mindful of. So the Colt type single action, which was developed around 1872, uh, model 1873 is the, you know, what everybody talks about. Uh, they realized uh, pretty early on, sold, there were examples of soldiers dropping their um, firearm on the battlefield and having the gun go off. Um, and that was when they were loading 
six rounds into the six chambers. But the way that the cold type single action is designed is there's a, a really like kind of big triangular firing pin inside the hammer. And that rests up against uh, the it, it protrudes so much that if you have a you know a, a cartridge or you know, your ammunition and it's sitting in the chamber of the revolver the firing pin actually if it's all the way down rests pushed up against the or not pushed up but rests you know on the primer of the cartridge the primer is what makes it go boom and so if it's if the hammer's all the way down and not you know in safety notch position although it can from a certain distance you know go off a safety notch position if it does go off and, and drops and hits the hammer just right, it gives it enough force to cause the primer to, you know, basically fire the gun. And so they learned, you know, you load single, you can, single actions are perfectly safe if you load them with the five rounds with the hammer down on an empty chamber. But I mean, that's just kind of advice in general. So soldiers on the battlefield kind of started to experience that with the cold single action. And then the post-World War II period where there was a resurgence in the Western genre and more people started buying Western style guns that maybe were they were they were the new gun owners of the era and they didn't necessarily do their due diligence as responsible gun owners and there were some accidents that happened with the um, Colt type single actions uh, with people putting the you know gun fully loaded with six rounds and with the hammer and full down up against the primer and so you know just understanding how that technology works and the fact that the firing pin is there to help fire the gun and the pin strikes uh, you know a compound that basically allows the projectile to go down the barrel and so if you see that firing pin resting up against that priming compound and there's nothing in between um, you know or it's not set back um enough then if the gun drops then it may go off yeah and virtually well everybody tries to make their firearms drop safe um safe. and in fact if you want to import because of the gun control act of 1968 if you want to import um, you know, uh, different types of handguns and it has to be drop safe at I think 36 inches above the ground. Um, yeah. I and <laughs> I know I said virtually every gun is made to be drop safe. A few of them have failed in well-known instances. Um, but yeah. And it's that idea that like, this is a safety lesson from history that sort of is on the manufacturers. Now it's not necessarily, we don't as end users of the firearms really see you know readily see a lot of this i mean if you're like shooting a lot of cold single actions you'll probably be more well informed of it than on other guns but um yeah modern hammers are and whatever is firing whether it's striker or hammer or whatever they're all sort of designed to not always be resting directly on the primer um when the bolt or slide or whatever is forward so that um there's some space there to prevent you know as as a safety um, so that's a lesson from history for that has been incorporated into firearms, but is more on the manufacturer side. Mm. I thought of another one that we hadn't talked about yet. Okay. If because of your newfound firearms experience, you get recruited to be in Buffalo Bills Wild West, don't be a volunteer to hold the targets for Annie Oakley standing in the arena. But why? Because, so we have like the old footage of Annie Oakley shooting targets and like somebody would be downrange like holding the target. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Sorry, I was like thinking you were like because Annie Oakley was a bad shot and I forgot. No, no, Annie Oakley, like she can yeah. make the shot, don't, but still like don't, don't be downrange. And this one is weirdly like 
it's into modern times too because there's like it feels like once a year some crazy video of like some super aggressive like firearms training facility goes like full tactical and does like some weird chest exercise where like one of the team has to hold a target while somebody else shoots it and like that's just don't don't do it yeah if any person tells you that you should that that somebody should you or somebody else should go down range while you have a loaded firearm in front of them like just be like no but for a long time it was like it was a pretty popular thing to do in exhibition shooting like i mean it still of, is but it's it's you know i mean some people still do it Okay, maybe they don't. I don't think I don't they know do. anybody that still does it. The last pe- the last one I know of are like the topper lines. I know. I was thinking like 20th century is modern. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Anything within a hundred years was like still happening to you. Got it. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Your old man spirit was there. My old man spirit was there. But you're right. Actually, you're right. Time out. You accused me of mansplaining at the beginning of this episode. So does your old man spirit mansplain to yourself in your internal monologue? Food for thought. Food for thought. Um, I think I mansplain a lot. Okay. Like a lot to like a lot of people. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Um, Jarvis. <laughs> um, so Danny's lab. Sorry, I have to explain that. So there's a meme on my um, Instagram and like that went around like like a couple weeks ago that was like, um, it was like a picture of like a, it was a cartoon of like a brain and it was like, you know, um, and this person was like, hi, my name's, what was the name? I don't even remember. I don't know. John or something. And then it's like, you know, nice to meet you, John. And then the third frame, it's like you trying to smush John's name oh, yeah. in with all your firearms, not like knowledge. And then the next frame, you get the person's like, say Jarvis, did you know that Sam Colt invented the, the revolver <laughs> in 1835? And I just, that's just my life. So. Yeah. Um, now I don't know what we were talking about before I went on the tangent. I don't know. Well, do we have any other lessons from history? Um, uh, we talked about not like holding a gun by the muzzle either. We talked about either just like covering the muzzle. So like muzzling yeah. people, covering the muzzle and then grabbing it by the muzzle. Or like pulling it towards you. Don't do that. And we talked about firing lines in the 1500s. We talked a little yeah. bit about half cock and mechanical devices and that a mechanical device is made to fail. Mm-hmm. Don't go off half cocked. Yeah. Um, Certainly like be willing to use your safety if it's on a gun, but also be prepared if it does fail. Yeah. Like it's there Camilla, to be. A, it, Camilla looks really bored. She does look really bored. She went away for a while and like worked on a window. There was a hailstorm. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I had to close all the windows. Like I think I like judge how we're doing in our podcast based on the look on Camilla's face. We lost our audience. We lost our audience. Come on. It can't work for every single topic that you guys do because sometimes you go so deep into weeds that it's just like. Which is problematic since this episode was for new gun owners. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Okay, I got one. I got okay, one. What's next? what's next? New gun owners, a lesson from history. Don't listen to historians about gun safety. Yes. We are not substitute for training or legal advice or any other such thing. Yes. 
Uh, <laughs> it's very, very true. But, um, but I mean, it, it is one of those things that like, I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox because I actually am a certified firearms instructor. Um, I mean, I don't teach people. I did it because I'm an academic that likes to collect. I, I mean, I teach people periodically, but I like to collect certifications. But I'm um, not an instructor of any kind. Um, but you know, I think it's really important because, you know, there are a lot of new gun owners, um, right now because of many, many different reasons, because 2020 has just been a fucking ride. Can I say, can, can I say Yeah, you word? can say that. That's okay. It's, it's, it's I think been everybody a lot. can like, agree. And so I just think it's really interesting because we play, we do play an interesting role at the museum because, you know, we get a lot of people who don't have that many experiences with firearms and we do actively although we don't substitute for training and we don't you know say that this is like the catch-all and you should you know if you leave the cody firearms museum you know about gun safety and you should like go and apply it thing you know to places but it's there to you know educate people as much as possible but you know we reach an audience that tends to be pretty novice to the firearms world a lot and new gun owners are, are kind of getting into that world and and whether you're going and buying a new gun that it comes with the Manual, or you're going to a pawn shop, you know, and buying an older gun, or even just like a new gun that's used. I mean, like, go get the manual. I think these things are available. You know, learn about owning the firearm. Be a responsible gun owner. You know, the the community in and of itself. You know, that that number of accident accidents with firearms has really gone down over the years. And with new gun owners, we just want to you know continue to make everybody safe. And so, you know, yes, people have learned things from history, and yes, we can make jokes about it. But I mean, if you are a new gun owner, definitely you know, do everything you can. Ask questions um, to 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 people in authority positions, and like learn about what it means to be a firearms owner, take classes, all of that. Also, maybe if you're still working from home, like tell the boss you're working and then go watch a YouTube video about old, gun, old guns. But that's also not a substitute. That's just a general life lesson. That's not a lesson about safety. Oh, okay. I was like, that's also not a substitute for safety, Danny. No, I'm not saying that's not how you learn safety. I'm just saying like, hey. Danny's just saying... Check us out at Cody Firearms Museum on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And I'm at that lady curator. I was really limiting it to, to just us. But I took it there. I took it there. All right. Um, well, if you're a new gun owner, welcome to our world and our community. And we are, Danny and I are really great for anecdotes and really pedantic history but not great for firearms training. So go get yourself some training, learn about the firearm that you're owning, um, be empowered by it and be responsible. That's as good as an ending as we can make. I think that might be as succinct an ending as we've ever made. And now we're ruining it. Camille's like, say bye. 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 <laughs>